God is here today to do a great work. And I am so excited for all of you that are here in the house of the Lord today. Thank you for coming uh, to our first-time guests and visitors. Uh, we say welcome to First Pentecostal Church, but we want to do more than just say it in word, but we want to express it in deed also. So after service this morning, we have a special welcome reception for you in our Christian cafe. If you go out to the main foyer, you turn to your left behind this wall, we have some gifts for you and uh, some finger foods and a chance to thank you personally for coming and being part of our church. What a great time we had last night. So many first-time guests and visitors, over 300 people here, and, and this cast and this team of people, singers and actors and people working behind the scenes and people working in technical support and everybody working together as a unified team, lifting up the name of Jesus in this community. We met people that planned their vacation from Rhode Island to be here for this drama and said it was worth it. And I tell you what, just so many reports and I'm just so excited to be a part of a group of people that lift up the name of Jesus with such excellence. Amen. Not only in South Bavard, but in all the world and all that all of you do in giving and supporting and lifting up the cause of Jesus. Amen. I tell you, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of a family of believers. And I just want to say thank you for all of your hard work. You know, one of the most important things last night was more so than the excellence of the acting and all, but you know, people talked about how they could feel God. They could feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. I talked to a, a man this morning that said, you could feel God here. And he said, you know, the very first time I came to this church, when I walked in the foyer, I could feel God. And I said, you know, that's just the favor of God that we can feel his presence when we're in this house. Hallelujah. What a good God we serve. Amen. I know you've been standing, so let me quickly get to my text. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50. Matthew chapter 27 and reading verses 50 and 51. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, uh, yielded up the ghost. Ghost being an old English word for spirit. Verse 51, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain or in two from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent it says that the veil of the temple was rent and it says the rocks rent in Ecclesiastes we've been talking about the fullness of time and Solomon the wise man wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 that there is a season and a time to everything and to every purpose under the heaven. And in verse 7, it says that there is a time to rend and a time to sow, time to keep silence and a time to speak. We talked last week about a time to speak in our Sunday evening service, but I, I noticed that the first part of verse 7 in Ecclesiastes 3 says a time to rend. And in Matthew, as we... Uh, contemplate and think about the week leading up to the resurrection, this oftentimes referred to as Palm Sunday. And we reflect back on Calvary and that final week that Jesus spent 
in Jerusalem. The Bible says in Matthew 27 that that veil was rent and the rocks did rent. And I want to talk to you this morning on the subject, a time to rend. A time to rend. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together. Lord, we're thankful for your presence and we're just overwhelmed, God, by your blessings and your goodness to us. You've been so good to us, Lord. You've allowed us to come into your presence and to feel your spirit, to feel your arms of love wrapped around each of us. And Lord, we know that we're human and we're frail and we're subject and prone to mistakes and faults. But Lord, you somehow look beyond all that. You allow us to dwell in heavenly places. And we say thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word that instructs us and guides us. And I ask you, Lord, now as we, we look to your word, that you would open up our hearts and minds and allow us to once again be in your presence and have our hearts and minds enlightened by the principles of your word. Let us be more than just hearers of the word, but help us to be doers of the word also, Lord, and respond to your word, Lord, that is alive, that's planted in our hearts and in our spirits. And we will give you praise. All of God's people said in Jesus' name. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The word rend, R-E-N-D, in the Bible means to split or to tear apart into pieces suddenly and forcibly. Uh, when it seems like would there ever be an appropriate time for something to split uh, or to tear apart suddenly and forcibly in our lives, it seems like that most of our focus would be on repairing and and restoring and sowing and and bringing something back together again that that perhaps had been torn in our lives but yet we know that the Bible says that there is a time to rend a time for something somewhere in each of us to rip or to tear forcibly uh, and suddenly and then we read in Matthew 27 of, of how things reacted, parts of nature, rocks, and the veil in the tabernacle that, that ripped or rent in two when, when Jesus, after hours of suffering on the cross, gave up the ghost or, or his spirit parted. Uh, from him and it was at that moment that the Bible says that these two different tangible items rent or split one being the veil of the temple it was it was split or rent in two from the very top to the bottom and we uh, added that scene in the drama this year that that veil that had stood for many many years as a divider between the presence of God and the Holy of Holies where that Ark of the Covenant was just on the other side of the veil and the common man was never uh, afforded the opportunity to come into that place of consecration and and only the high priest and only once a year would go into that area that was so filled with God's glory that humanity took a chance even coming into that environment and uh, Josephus the Jewish historian tells us that they used to put a rope around 
the priest's ankle as he would go in there once a year and, and offer uh, uh, prayers for the people and, and atonement. And he, he would go in there, and if he, if he was not properly prepared in his spirit and in his heart, then he would be smitten dead because of the power uh, of the presence of God. And nobody would go in there to get him. And so after a while, they'd tug on that rope. And if there was no resistance, they would literally drag him out of the presence of God. And that veil was there as a, as a divider, as a, something that separated the common man from that mercy seat, from that holy of holies. And so at the point of, of Jesus sacrificing his life on that hill, Golgotha, on that cross, at, at the point that this sinless lamb is slain for the forgiveness of our sins, the Bible tells us that that veil, that thing that divided, that separated man from God in such a tangible and a powerful way was split in two from the very top to the very bottom. And I believe that that is symbolic that no longer would there be a, a separation between the common sinner and the presence of God. That sacrifice had been paid. And I'm thankful today that I can tell you uh, without question that any man or woman can come into the presence of God and you can bow a knee of humility and you can lift up your voice and you can call out to the Lord. You don't have to go to another man and hope that that person can petition for you. You, you, in your sins and in your mistakes and in your faults and in your wrong choices and decisions and in your scars and in all that life has brought you at this point, you can go into the presence of God and know that God will not reject you. And I believe that that was what happened when this veil was ripped or rent in two from the top to the bottom, that there would no longer be that divider that anybody, man, woman, boy, and girl of any nationality could come into the presence of God. And so when we come to the house of God like we have today, we came into His presence. And as these singers were singing under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and you lifted your hands and you began to worship God and you could feel the presence of God. Once again, His people have come into the Holy of Holies and found mercy in the presence of God. What a privileged people we are. I hope we don't ever get to the point where we take that for granted. That you and I can over and over and over again come into the presence of God and feel His love and His strength. What a good God we serve. What a powerful God we serve. But I believe it's also important as we examine this scripture that we notice that this veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. Our guide in Israel told us that many of the people in Israel believe that it represents uh, the fact that it was split from the top to the bottom. It represented a God coming down from heaven to earth. One thing is clear regardless of how we examine this is that this veil was rent or it was torn supernaturally. It was not torn by a man. It was torn by a supernatural presence of God. If there has ever been a time for the veil of shame and condemnation that keeps people at arm's length from God to be torn, I believe it is time in 2014 
for us to dispel the lie hell that the enemy tells people day in and day out you've done too much you've gone too far you've hurt too many people You've committed too many mistakes. There's no way that God would ever receive you. And so the enemy, through the lies of Satan and all of his imps and generals and devils, tells people you could never come to God and keeps people hidden behind that veil of shame and discouragement and guilt and pain. I've come to preach to you today. It's a time to rent that veil. To tear it down and say, I'm coming to God. Here I am, Lord, with every fault, with every scar, with every hurt, with every pain. I rent that barrier that keeps me at arm's length. And I say, God, here I am. I've come to tell you that God will not turn you away. God will not push you from His presence it's time to rend those barriers, those mental barriers, those emotional barriers, those spiritual barriers. It's time to remove all of the excuses. It's time to rip those hidden cloaks that shroud our hearts and our emotions and cause us to shut down. I've come to tell you about a God that wants to tear that divider and come to you right where you are. You don't have to live any longer in the outer court of God's mercy. You don't have to live in the outer court of God's presence. You belong at the mercy seat. Where those cherubs' wings came over, there was that seat, that area right there at the top of that ark where the blood was flowing and that mercy seat that gave us at that time, it was something tangible for people to recognize. But now you and I can see it, if not physically, spiritually through the eye of faith. There is that place of mercy. There is that seat of rest. There is that place where the angels hover, where the power and the presence of God is there. They tell us in the Bible over and over that there were three things that were in that Ark of the Covenant. There were the tables of stone that represented the Word of God, and certainly we need the word of God in our hearts and in our lives every day and then there was Aaron's rod that budded which I believe is a symbolic uh, place of the miraculous power of God to still heal our bodies and deliver us but then there was also a pot of manna and that represented the fact that God is our provider and even if you're in a wilderness uh, I, God can send down provision from heaven and he can meet the needs of humanity that means the miraculous and the word and the the supernatural provision of God all came together to give you and I a place of mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to come running to the mercy seat. It's not a time to stay away from God. It's not a time for the enemy to convince any man or woman that they've gone too far and they've done too much and they can't have forgiveness of sin. There's a place for you at the mercy seat if you can rend that veil and allow yourself to come into the presence of God. But it was more than just the veil that was rent in twain. The Bible also says that the rocks split. It's not an easy thing for a rock 
to split open. You think about something that would cause a rock to split. Most things that a rock comes in contact with, the force of the rock causes whatever the item is that it comes in contact with to disintegrate or to fall apart. But what was, what was it that would make a rock split? I'm not talking about a, 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 a you know, a, a round circumference of clay that was stuck together. I'm talking about a rock that's been hardened through years and years. Whatever that, that thing was, that power of God, whatever that presence of God was that, that would make a rock and not just rocks, but when you go to that Judean desert and you see where Golgotha and the hill, the boulders, massive boulders the size of these speakers, rocks that if that thing was to come in contact with any individual, in fact, in the old days they would kill people by throwing rocks because if that thing comes in contact with this thing, guess which one is going to give way? As hard as this head is, <laughs> this rock is harder. And, and, they would, and they would use, you know, rocks and they would throw people and they would literally take their life, just, just blunging to death through the, through the force of rocks. And yet the Bible says that as Jesus hung on that cross, that the rocks and the boulders split open, were rent. These enormous rocks that maybe have been used for for terrible things through the course of time. All of these things were rent. They were tore in two. And, and I got to thinking about every rock that had ever been picked up to stone someone, caught in sin, like the lady that's caught in adultery. And people holding those rocks, every rock that had ever been picked up in anger or in judgment to throw at somebody who had committed a sin, that rock lost its force. Lost its power. At the point of the crucifixion, every rock that had been picked up in anger or in self-righteousness to hurt or to harm somebody, it was split. It was nullified. It was eliminated as a tool to destroy another human being. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's something powerful about the cross that eliminates the tool of the enemy to destroy. That's why the Bible says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That weapon that the enemy has been forging against you, that has lost its power, my friend, at the cross. Because the Bible said that when the blood came down off that cross, that it covered all of those documents. The Bible says that the enemy me as an accuser of the brethren and all of those things that list of charges of all of your mistakes and all of your sins that the enemy has been preparing for that courtroom on that last day the Bible said that the blood of Calvary covered it all and they couldn't see the charges any longer Woo, hallelujah. That's why the Bible said even the graves came open. Because even death, which is the final act of sin, it could not have any more power over the saints of God. That's what Calvary did. My, those rocks that they picked up to stone Stephen in Acts chapter 7, 
They had no authority on his spirit. Yes, it did destroy his body. But the Bible said that he saw heaven open. And he saw Jesus standing in a position of authority. He said he saw him standing on the right hand of God. That's not an actual physical hand of a God. That's a spirit holding up another God. It was Jesus in a position of authority. The right hand is a position of authority. And when they took those stones to stone Stephen because of their confusion and their misunderstanding of his message, he saw heaven open. And he saw Jesus in a position of authority. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can get a revelation that Jesus is in a position of authority in your life, it matters not what people say. It matters not what rocks are thrown at you. You see Jesus as a Savior that has all authority. Oh, would you lift up your hands and your voices and thank Him for that power. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Those rocks had been split. It was a revelation that the resurrection of Jesus has authority over every word spoken against you, over every false accusation, every evil thought or deed. It's powerless, my friend, against the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus has authority over everything. It has authority over every sickness. That's why the Bible says that by His stripes we are healed. The power of the blood of Jesus is activated when we humble ourselves through the rending of our garments. Ladies and gentlemen, every time you pray, you are rending the garment of your flesh. Every time you fast, you are rending the garment of the flesh. Every time you lift your hands and your voice and you worship God and not man, you are rending the garment of your flesh. I say to you today, church, it's time for the church of God's name of Jesus name those that have been bought by the blood sanctified by the spirit it's time for you and I to rend our garments and to lift up our voice and say God I must decrease but you must increase that rending is a way that you and I come before him with humility Acts 14, we find that Paul and Barnabas had gone to Lystra and they were preaching. There was a man there, the Bible says, who was impotent in his feet. He was lame. He was crippled. The Bible says from his mother's womb. He had never walked. And the same heard Paul begin to speak and begin to preach. And the Bible says that, that Paul and Barnabas, they saw him and they beheld him and they perceived that he had faith to be healed. And so then the Bible says that he yells literally with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And the Bible says that the man who had never walked before, he leaped. He didn't just stumble to his feet. He leaped up on his feet and began to walk. And the Bible says that when all the people saw it, they lifted up their voices. And they were people that had worshipped 
uh, gods that had been left over even from the Grecian rule of, of worship and uh, mythology gods. And, and, and they said the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. They started feeling like that Paul and Barnabas were gods. And they, and they had priests that were priests of Jupiter and Mercury. And they came and they said, Barnabas is Jupiter, but Paul is Mercury because he was the chief speaker. And the priests came and they brought all of these uh, oxen and they brought garlands and they, and they brought them into the gates and they were getting ready to offer sacrifices because they believed that Paul and Barnabas were gods that had come into their city and they come in the form of a man and all of a sudden when Paul and Barnabas realized what was happening what was going on they immediately said oh we've got to stop it and the Bible says in verse 14 that they ripped their clothes and they ran among the people crying out they literally were ripping and rending their clothes and they went before the people crying no 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 we are not gods we we are people we are men just like you of like passions and we've just come to preach to you about a God that can heal you and deliver you and as they rid their garments they were saying it's not by our power but it's by your spirit oh ladies and gentlemen do you know what happens in the heaven of heavens when God's people say Lord we are nothing without you we would be here if it wasn't for you it's by your grace and by your love that I'm even in my right mind this morning I worry I worry I pray for all of us in our humanity we want God to move mightily in our lives the only way we can do it is if we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God it's a time to rend it's a time to humble ourselves before God it's a time to rip that garment of the flesh that so easily wants to take credit and wants to somehow uh, get caught up in pride and you and I have to come to a place where we say God if you don't heal me I can't make it not another step if you don't deliver me I can't get through another day it's, it's time to rend it's a time to humble ourselves we are nothing without God we are flesh we are frail we don't deserve your mercy it's a time for Christianity in America and around the world to rend the garments of pride. Ladies and gentlemen, who are we? We are nothing. I, 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 even get, I even get nervous when we sing songs about who we are and what we do. I think we ought to take all them out of the songbooks and everything we sing ought to be about how great God is. It's not about who we are. It's not about what we've done. It's not about anything that you and I can do on our own, but it's all about the goodness and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ. Oh, God told David, I took you from among the sheepfold. You are following after sheep and cleaning up manure, but I put you in the temple. I lifted you up. Ladies and gentlemen, what would happen if every man and woman, boy and girl, not only in this church, but our extended families would hobble themselves, even as a nation, and rend our garments? I say to you today, it's a time to rend. It is a time to rend. It is a time to humble ourselves. It's a time to say, God, if you don't save our nation, we're not going to make it. Rend our garments. I ask you today, where did God bring you from? He took David from among the sheepfold. Where did God bring you from? He took a bottle out of your shaky hand. He took a needle out of your spotted arm. He took you out of shame and despair. 
and you think that we're going to let the garment of pride or the rock of judgment destroy this relationship not on your life he has been too good to us he has brought us too far for us to lose out because we will not rid our garments I say to you today I don't care if you're saint or sinner or visitor or longtime member or elder or board member it doesn't matter who you are we are all human beings that need God every day every day we take another breath and we're alive we ought to use our voice to say great is the Lord and great Greatly to be praised. We were over in Israel. We were down by the Wailing Wall, and I was down there with my sons and some of our group, and we were praying. And they had given me one of these slack things that you could bind up your arm and your head in the scriptures that they do. That they go back to Deuteronomy six, where it talks about you know, put it on your arm, your head, and the rising up and the going down, and all. Keep remembering, though, the scriptures and here is the Lord our God is one. And so they, they have certain instruments that they use to do that. And one fellow got me all set up with that. And we were down by the wall and we were praying. And we went to another area where there were a lot of these Orthodox Jews that were praying and rabbis and whatnot. And I think maybe because I was wearing one of this, one of these elderly rabbis, he came up, he got to talking to me and, and he started asking me, you know, he knew a little bit of English. He had spent some time in New Jersey, but he, he couldn't. He didn't know a lot. We were trying to communicate. And I was telling him about my sons. And I was telling him about our church and about Bible quiz. And I was trying to tell him, you know, that we believed in the word of God and all that. And no matter what I said, it wasn't good enough. And he went and got the Hebrew Bible. And he goes, you know Hebrew? And I said, no, I don't know Hebrew. And he said, what about the, the Bible's good, but you need to, re- you need to read the Torah. And, and so, you know, he, he, was, he was showing me this and that. And he took me back to Deuteronomy and all that. And I said, oh, yes, we believe in that. And everything I was trying to do to show that, man, we support you guys and we love you guys. And, and God's coming back for his people. And I was doing my best to try to communicate. And, and finally, one of my friends was standing there with me. And he turned to his friend. And I was trying to explain something to the boys. And he said, is he Jewish? Referring to me. And... Uh, and, and he said, no, he's not Jewish. And when he said he's not Jewish, he went Pah! like that with his mouth in his hand and turned and walked away. And I remember the feeling that I had when that took place. It was like, you know, regardless of what I did, it didn't matter because I wasn't Jewish. And I thought, God, examine my heart this very moment. Have I ever done that to person where they feel less than adequate you know, I don't know, maybe the, the things that we said or the, or the Christian vernacular that we use or, or, you know, if I ever made myself to, to make other people feel like that, I thought I was better than them. I'm asking you, God, to forgive me. I ask this church to forgive me if I've ever made anybody feel like that they were less than a child of God. I rid my garment of that and I repent of it because I've come to preach to you that God loves every single human being. I don't care if you're beat up and pierced and tattooed from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. You're still a vessel of a God that loves you. Come on, church. We got to rend our garments. We are nothing without God. We are nothing. The Bible's in our righteousness is as a filthy rags. And I thought about that experience that I had. And that man just throwing his arms up and walking away like there's no hope for you. And I'm like, ah, I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. I've loved the Bible. I've studied it all my life. None of it mattered. And then it dawned on me. 
I realize that when you don't have Calvary in your life, when you don't have a cross in your life, then your salvation is based on your own righteousness. And I watch those people pray with such sincerity at that wall. But I thought to myself, it's going to be more than just the sincerity. It's going to have to take a rending of our garments. It's going to take a desperation of people to say, God, if you don't help me, I can't make it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say this as kindly as I can. You will never, ever be in a relationship with God if you're not able to humble yourself in repentance. I fear that we skate past repentance to try to get to baptisms and Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot get past the cross too quickly without understanding that it's because of His love and His mercy. I don't, I don't, just for, let me just myself today. I don't have the luxury to be able to come into the church and to not lift my hands and to worship God. I don't have the luxury to be able to come into his presence and not lift my voice or not ever lift up my finger or my hand or my heart in praise. I don't have the luxury to come into his presence and to leave without rending my garments by confessing my sins. Oh, good God, help us. Every time you come to an altar and you confess your sins, once again, you are rending your garments and acknowledging your utter dependence on God. I close with this. Jonah thought he was too good to go to Nineveh and preach. Place is too wicked. They'll never repent. Capital of Syria. I'm not even going. God called him, gave him a mission, but Jonah ran. He went down to the docks and got on a boat that was headed in the opposite direction. But the Bible says that God prepared a great fish doesn't say he prepared a whale this was something that he prepared that we don't even know about our mind thinks of the biggest fish we can think of but ladies and gentlemen his thoughts are higher than our thoughts his ways are higher than our ways he can create something for one opportunity the bible said he prepared a great fish and jonah was thrown overboard because of the storm and they recognized that he was the problem. And the Bible says this great fish that was prepared by God swallowed him up. And the Bible says that Jonah cried out from the belly of hell. Cried out. There was no pride, my friend, in the belly of a great fish with seaweed wrapped around your head. You may have thought you were too righteous to fulfill the mission of God. But if you get in the belly of hell, if you get in a desperate enough situation, you will cry out. But the most important thing is that the Bible said God heard him. You know, I got to thinking about, I got to think about all those planes and those ships that are off the, the coast of Austria over there in the South Indian Ocean trying to listen for the ping coming from a black box of that airline, that Malaysian airline that went down. And they said the batteries are only good for about 30 days and they know they're up against it and the batteries are running out and they, they got all the that sonar, radar, everything's listening, planes and the best equipment from all over the world. And they're listening and listening, they're trying to hear and they're scanning the ocean. They got all these things in the water and they're trying to find it. If they could just hear just the, that little faint cry of a ping, of a little signal that they could narrow down their search area so that they could then 
put the, the submarines down. They said it's so deep there that it's like 15,000 feet below the surface of the water. And, and, and they said we're just listening and trying to find. And they're, they think later, earlier this week, Tuesday or whatever, that they may have heard just a little something coming out of a box. You know what it made me think of? Have you ever felt that you were on the bottom of the ocean? And everything had caved in around you. And you did not have enough strength to even lift your voice. It had just been a murmur. Could have just been a, a, a cry that was not even able to be detected by our ears. But your heart offered up a little slight signal. And heaven heard it. Good God Almighty. Heaven heard it. You may not have thought anybody heard it. It may not have been even something you did audibly. But somewhere in the crevices of your spirit, there was a faint cry. And the black box of your heart didn't hardly have enough left in it. But it was just a faint ping. But it was enough. Heaven dispatched angels. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Because this black box, this heart that had been hardened by sin, just a little tear, just a little rend, just a little cry. But heaven, with all of its supernatural sensors, Scanning the globe, looking for a man or a woman in Africa or South America or the Fiji Islands or in Russia or the Ukraine or in Canada or in Palm Bay, Florida. 1021 Emerson. Is there a heart somewhere? Is there a spirit somewhere that will just say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Would you stand to your feet right now? Would you stand here? Come to preach to somebody. Help is on the way. You just got to hear the ping of a rent heart. Just got to hear the cry of a hungry heart. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not the time to keep it all together and die in silence. This is the time to cry out. Come on, from that crash of life that has left you lonely and destitute, maybe a failed relationship, maybe fail in your finances, maybe a failing in your health, you say, God, I don't know if I can make it another step. I've come to tell you today, if you can just rend your garment. You can just open up your heart even so slightly. And give God a chance. I've come to tell you that Jesus Christ will not turn you away. His arms are outstretched to you right now. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to give you an invitation right now. Why don't you step out from where you're standing? 
why don't you come down to this altar right now and say oh pastor I I'm not one to go down to the front I like to stay in the back no but it, it may be that's all you need is just that step he said, I don't know all the right words to say, the prayers. You don't, you don't have to have anything figured out. All there has to do is be desire. Here I am, God. I don't have the answers. I don't have the solutions. But I recognize that you are my hope and my strength. This is beautiful. People are coming from all over. Why don't you step out from where you're standing? Maybe you're in the back. There's still room for you at this altar. If you can't get down to the front, maybe you can get out in the aisle. Maybe you can just turn and put your hand on somebody that you're standing next to right now. Why don't we pray for one another? Make this whole church an altar right now. Come on, would you put your hand on somebody right now? In the name of Jesus, here we are, God. We stand before you this morning.